I'll tell you why I sang that song this morning. We're going to talk about passion. And um, I don't think I understood. I don't think I understood passion until somebody introduced me to the grace of Christ. Um, I heard a lot about rules. I heard a lot about judgment. So I'm thankful for an amazing and comprehensible grace. I wonder maybe, uh, maybe you've been following the Lord a long time. Can, can you just say with me, His grace is indeed still amazing. So here's, here's where this message series all came from. Uh, I don't know if it was interest, if it was frustration. Sometime last year, I, I, I began to follow a movement. And it's this movement where people who, have, who know Jesus made a choice to disassemble their faith. It's called deconstruction. Maybe you've heard it. And it's heartbreaking. When, when people who've walked with Jesus decide that through questioning and doubting and an eventual rejection of the, some aspects of their faith, turn away from, from the church and from faith. And oh, by the way, I, I think in some ways we, we probably owe them an apology. I'm not sure that the church has been great at handling doubt and question. See, we, we love to come together and, and talk about faith, but everybody in this room has seasons of doubt. We don't, we don't want to talk about it. We don't want to address it. And so when, when the church fails to do that, what happens is people with doubts and questions that the church isn't answering start taking their faith apart. And it's sad because there's a revival now, a deconstruction revival. We call it, they, it's called progressive Christianity. And it, what it, it really is is when orthodox Tradition and the apostles' doctrine are now under attack. And here's where it starts. You're not going to like this, but it's just true. You and I and every church in this nation is one step away from deconstruction. One step. One step. Here's what the step is. It's when you and I Stop believing that the Bible is a book written by God for humans and start believing it's a book written by humans about God. And that's exactly where we're at. One thousand percent. And I, I can hear the objections right now. Well, Dwayne, you're just saying that because uh, the, the LGBTQ community and, and that, that issue... That's not the issue. Can I, 
pack this place out next Sunday with homosexuals and alcoholics and addicts and depressed people and proud and arrogant people and greedy people that need to hear it's okay not to be okay. Pack this place out with that. That's not the issue. Dwayne, are you saying that I'm not okay? I'm, yes. I'm saying we're all not okay. That's why Jesus came. The primary issue, y'all, is the authority of Scripture. That's what's under attack. Authority of Scripture and the need for the Christian community to gather in the context of the local church. That's what's under attack. So listen to me. My goal for you is not to convince you that the Bible is true. That's not my goal. My goal for you is to have an encounter with Christ and let the living word reveal the written word to you because that's how it works. <laughs> I never trusted the Bible until I had an encounter with Jesus and his grace. That's why I sang that song this morning. So I, I went away that in December, I told you, and I, I, I saw in my head, and the only way I can describe it is this matrix between Christ, the living word, and the written word of God and the follower of Christ, and the illumination that happens when the, the living word and the written word combine, and, and, and we have an encounter with that as a follower of Christ, and then it illuminates us so much that a dark world and people who aren't okay and need to know that they can be okay are illuminated with the love of God. And that's what, that's what this is all about. So we've read it every week. We'll continue to Psalm 119 verse 105 says your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The first week we talked about purpose. And how sometimes to really find God's purpose for our lives, we've got to take the limits off of our yes. We just got to learn to say yes, God. I don't care what the question is. It's yes, man. We Don and I were listening uh, to to uh, 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 Tony Evans this morning and he was talking about this and I was like yay and he said that, that's the difference between you, you know what surrender really is it's like somebody pointing a gun at you somebody pointing a gun at you guess what I'll do whatever you say right and, and now listen Jesus ain't pointing out guns at anybody but but let's understand what surrender is yes Dwayne I want you to yes the answer is yes right and then last week online to an empty room, it was weird. <laughs> I talked to you about the midpoint between purpose and passion is a process. And we need to learn to trust the process. Our logo is going to pop up on the screen. So you can probably figure out what we're going to talk about today. In fact, I've already told you. We're going to talk about passion. Talked about purpose, now we're going to talk about passion. You probably guess what we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> So last week, as we were climbing out of the blizzard, <laughs> I saw this interview with a young lady from Los Angeles, California. She's about 29. And they showed the pictures of this young lady, and she was beautiful as a, as a teenager, young adult, beautiful girl. And then the interview started, and she was a broken woman. She dealt for years with mental illness and then manifested itself in an eating disorder. She looked like she weighed about 80 pounds. And here's what she said. And, and I, I sat there stunned because of what we're talking about. 
Then in the middle of the interview, she broke down. And she began to weep, and she said, I wake up every morning with no purpose and no passion. And my heart broke. My heart broke because Jesus came and he lives. The Holy Spirit dwells among us to bring purpose and passion to his people. So here we go. Here's your, here's your a definition for passion. It's an intense, motivating, focused desire. An intense, motivated, focused desire. So if I were to ask you, what are you passionate about? I actually Googled that. I'm like, what are, you, what are people passionate about? And I came up with two lists. You want to hear some of them? One of them was, was animals. People are passionate about animals, right? And that's okay. I am too. I love animals, usually medium rare. But <laughs> uh, I'm just kidding. Don't send me emails. It was. Amen. People said that I'm passionate about myself, right? I guess that's okay. Passionate about hobbies. Hobbies? Hobbies, maybe. Um, maybe you're passionate about a sports team. I don't know. Maybe your particular team won a national championship since we've met. Thought I'd get your attention there. Can I tell you a funny story? So on that Tuesday morning after the Bulldogs won the national championship, did I mention that the Bulldogs won the national championship? Have I? Okay, uh, I, get a, I get a text message from a dear friend who is not a Bulldogs fan. A dear friend who is not a Bulldogs fan, he's a follower of a much less intimidating insect. <laughs> Do with that what you will. And he sent, here was the first text message. He said, there's probably going to be no living with you people now. <laughs> and so I sent him a picture, throw this picture up. Let me tell you where that picture is, because me and my friend Tim Johnson are lunatics. So after we won the national championship, we're like, let's go to Athens. So we went to Athens. Yes, we went to Athens, to the uh, Academy Sports in Athens, and we thought we're going to be the first ones to buy a national championship T-shirt. Well, we were not. (laughs) So what you're seeing is the line outside of Academy Sports. Notice that the store is packed. And Tim was like, I got to work tomorrow. And so we spun around and came back. So I sent my friend that sent me the text message. There's no living with you people. I was like, and I just sent him the text message. And here's what he said. That picture reminds me of a scripture. And the road to destruction is wide and many are they that honor it. And I said, it reminds me of a scripture. Revelation 7, 14 these are they who have come out of a great tribulation. <laughs> so some people are passionate about. Some people are passionate about art, about learning, about helping others. Some people are passionate about health and fitness. Anybody into fitness? Well, let me see your hand. How, how many would be interested in a way that you can become more fit and in shape than you have ever been in your life. Are you interested in that? Here's what I want to tell you to do. Babysit a two-and-a-half-year-old for three hours a couple times a week. Just saying. That's why you have children when you're young. I have been up and down those steps. Anyway, that's for another story. Maybe your career. 14th on the list and 17th on the other list was your faith. 
can I tell you, if your faith is 14th on your list, you're not passionate about your faith. Galatians 5 and 24 says, And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. I'm going to tell you, when you have an encounter with Christ, he's going to trade those passions for a brand new one. In fact, write this down, passion breeds passion. Can I, can I give you a sappy illustration of how that works? When I first became passionate about my wife, listen, a 10-minute phone call was no longer adequate. You with me? I, the guys are all nodding their head. I don't know. It, it's, I remember vividly coming into the... Now, some of y'all are not going to understand this because these were the days when you didn't carry a phone with you everywhere you went. You actually had to go home and, and pick up a phone that was attached to a wire that was attached to other wires and, and call. And, and uh, I, I remember coming into my driveway on two wheels so I could get there and call her. And then I would count the days until Friday night came when I could come get her. We could go out to, you know, wherever. And then I'd, I'd count the days when I'd come and uh, you know, after Friday night, on Sunday night, when I'd go to her church, and I'd count the hours, I wish he'd stop preaching so we could go to <laughs> El Chico, and you know what I'm saying? It just, it just, the, the more time I spent with her, and the, the more I began to know her, the more passionate I became about who she is as a person. See, those passionate about the pursuit of Christ, guess what? You, that passion breeds more passion, and and, and you'll fall in love with Jesus, and all of a sudden you'll be hungry for a, a, a place to serve his church, and you'll be hungry for a place to serve the world. You'll be hungry. Maybe you say, Dwayne, I'm there, and I don't know where to serve. Trust the process. That was last week. Go back and watch it. That's true in every area. If you're passionate about your career, guess what? You've got to be careful, or you're going to become a workaholic, right? If you're passionate about a hobby, you've got to be careful. You're going to sacrifice your family for your hobby. Here's what Colossians chapter 3 says. Whatever you do, work heartily as for the Lord and not for men. And I'm going to tell you that God wants us to be passionate about our pursuit of Christ. And you're like, Dwayne, come on, let's talk about real life stuff. Okay, here we go. Passion's an intense, motivating, focused desire. So let's talk about passion and intense desire. And to do this, we're going we're gonna to look at Philippians chapter 3, about about nine verses in Philippians chapter 3. We'll start with verse 7. We'll just kind of pick it apart as we go. Here we go. Uh, Paul said these words to the Philippian church. I once thought these things. All right, you got to stop there. What things is he talking about? I once thought these things, but now I consider them. So I'm not going to read it to you, but before verse 7, here's what Paul did. Paul was giving them a resume of, of what he'd done, of all of the accomplishments of his life, of all the things that he had accomplished as as a Jew and as a Hebrew and as a Pharisee, all of his accomplishments, he was reading them their resume, okay? So keep that in mind. I consider them worthless because of what Christ has done. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I have discarded almost everything. No, I've discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so I could gain Christ. Some translations read that as dung. 
All of my accomplishments are a pile of poop compared to knowing Christ. Everything else is worthless. You say, Dwayne, that just, that's just not practical. Let me tell you something. Paul still earned a living. He said these words, but he still had a job, right? So Paul's not telling you that, all right, here's what you got to do. You got to quit your job, and you got to leave your family and go live at the monastery. Now, now, there are people he calls to do that. Probably not you. He's saying, in comparison to my pursuit of Christ, everything else is just stuff. It's just stuff. I hear you. Here's what you're saying, Dwayne. I'm not Paul, and I still struggle. Well, so did he. He had his share of struggles. I, I, I want you to hear me, though. Listen, everybody in this room got a struggle. Everybody watching me on that camera has got a struggle. But there's a difference. Please listen to this. There's a difference between struggle and apathy. So you got a struggle, but you're digging your heels in, and you're chasing Jesus. All right? So you... Maybe your, your struggle is a habit or an addiction or a lifestyle or an attitude or, or something from your past. You're struggling with that, but you're digging your heels in and, and you're pressing forward, okay? And that's struggle. You know what apathy is? Yeah, I got some problems and I don't care. And God's going to have to be okay with it. <laughs> Here's what should happen the light of Christ should shine so brightly on your soul that all the other sources of light, and you've got some other sources of light, your family, the, the work that you love to do, some of those other things, those animals, all, all of those are sources of light, but what should happen is the light of Christ should shine, shine so brightly on your soul that all of those other sources of light are consumed in its radiance. And then, I lost and hurting and dying world there'll be enough light coming out of your soul to shine a light for somebody else the truth is people doubt transformation people doubt that this is a real thing do you know why because many people don't anyone don't know anybody that's willing to share their story of transformation isn't that sad and i, I when donna was how many know my wife's a preacher? Come on, somebody. When she was, you know, doing her sermon A so I could get to sermon B, she was talking about that. I mean, we got to share our story. we got to be a light to a dark world. So that's a passion and an intense desire. Let's talk about passion, a, a motivating desire. What was, what was Paul's motivating desire? What's the reason he got out of bed in the morning? What's the reason you get out of bed in the morning? Here's what Paul said in Philippians 3. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I'll experience the resurrection from the dead. Paul was motivated by his desire to know Christ even to the point of sharing in his suffering. You can identify your passion by what motivates you. Why do you roll back the covers in the morning and get out of bed? Is it for your career? Uh, maybe. Is it because the babies are crying and they're waking up? Maybe. 
Maybe you say, I have no idea. Dwayne, it doesn't sound like what this kind of passion you're talking about is practical to the real world. And I, and I want you to hear me. It really is. Because if I get out of bed in the morning and my pursuit of Christ is my motivating desire, guess what? All of the other roles that I play arise. It'll make me a better father. It'll make me a better husband. It'll make me a better friend. It'll make me a better pastor. It'll change who I am because my pursuit, my motivation changes when I chase Jesus. Now I become who God's intended me to be. It, it changes every area of your life. And then the light of Christ spills over to others because the light of Christ will alter your attitude. Listen, you chase Jesus, you'll be kinder. <laughs> you'll be sweeter. You'll be easier to get along with. You'll be more generous. There'll be less attitude and more smiles. There'll be a lot more yeses and a lot, more no I, a lot less no I can'ts. It'll change who you are. See, the pursuit of Christ doesn't pull you out of the world. It causes you to be a light in the middle of the world. It causes you to be a light on your job, a light in your home, a light to your children, a light to your spouse, a light to your neighbors, a light to the people you go to church with. The pursuit of Christ doesn't take you away from your other roles. It causes your other roles to be to fall in line behind your pursuit of Christ. Change is who you are. Put God first and watch him take care of the rest. Hmm. Intense desire, motivating desire, focused desire. Paul continues in Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. I don't mean to say that I've already achieved these things. He's talking about perfection. Any perfect people in the room? Of course not. Paul's saying I'm not either. Or that I've already reached perfection, but I press on. Man, aren't those some powerful words just right there? I press on. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever hit that point in your life where you just had to, you just, you just had to suck it up, buttercup, right? You just had to press on. Paul did too. I press on. I press on. And what, was, what motivated him to press on? Listen, to possess that per perfection for which Christ Jesus first possessed me. In other words, you're not perfect, but you're going to be. And oh, by the way, this is going to blow you away. In the light of Christ. In the eyes of your heavenly Father, you are. You're righteous and holy and spotless, not because you're good, but because Jesus shed his blood to purchase your sin. And in the eyes of your Father, you're flawless. I didn't say any in your mirror. Verse 13, no, dear brothers and sisters, I have not achieved it yet, neither have I, neither have you. But I focus on this one thing. You notice Paul didn't say, you know, listen, I, I focus on being a, uh, you know, a Christian, and I focus on being a tent maker, and I focus on being a preacher, and I focus on being a missionary, and I focus on being a pastor, and I focus on writing all these letters, and I focus on being a prisoner, and I focus on being a martyr. He, he said, I focus on one thing. Forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race 
and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ, is calling us. So my question is, what's your one thing? What if you didn't have the opportunity to make a list of 14 things, but there was just one thing? What's your one thing? And, and, and maybe today would be a great time for you to be a little introspective and ask yourself, what's my one thing? Is it, and, and maybe the one thing is a, a good thing. Maybe the one thing's your family. I, I, I honor that. But can I tell you, you'll take care of your family better if Jesus is your one thing. Maybe it's your job. Listen, I honor a work ethic. But maybe you'll be a, a better employee. Maybe you better be a better business owner if Jesus is your one thing. Maybe. Your one thing is being a pastor. I'll be a better pastor as Jesus is my one thing. You can't be passionate about 14 things, right? This might make some of y'all uncomfortable. And uh, I'm, every so often, I'm, I'm putting these sermons together. And I, I just turned the mirror inside. And I, I ask myself a difficult question. Dwayne, do you really believe that? Do you really believe that a pursuit of Christ will change who you are as a, as a husband and as a father and as a grandfather and as a pastor, as an employee, as a friend? Do, is, is this really what you believe? Or is it just something to help your church? So I had to stare in a mirror for a little while. And here's what I came away with. I took a quick look back since the day I gave my heart to the Lord at 14. That was, was over 20 years ago. It was. And I've, I've seen... I saw my seasons. How many know that God sometimes works in seasons? Some seasons when I, man, I felt like I'm riding on a mountaintop. And I'm, you know, you, you feel like you, you, when you pray that, you know, angels are like, oh, it's Dwayne. And I remember some seasons that I would pray and I would feel like, well, that, that accomplished little. Have, have you ever felt that way, or is it just me? And I, I, I just kind of took a bird's eye look at the last 40 years. I'm not going to tell you I never had doubts in those moments, because I have. But I'm going to tell you what, what connected those 40 years to I'll tell you what connected those 40 years together was an understanding that if I put God first, he'd take care of the rest of my life. So I'm going to tell, I'm not preaching this sermon to you because it, it flows well or it's hermeneutically correct. I'm preaching this sermon for one reason. I believe it with everything in me that if Christ 
will be your one thing. I'm, I'm going to tell you how I can say that. So I told you I gave my heart to the Lord. I've showed you this before, but I, it just, I, I just wanted to show it to you today. I, I bought this Bible at Shirley's Christian Bookstore in Mableton, Georgia in 1981. And, and sometimes I like to flip through it. And especially in the New Testament, almost every page has got a mark in it. Because I fell in love with Jesus and I wanted to know him. And the only way I knew how to get to know him was to read about him. And then her uncle gave me, now, this is really going to date it, gave me a Bible on cassette. <laughs> and I plugged it in. And I stopped listening to music. I just listened to the Word of God day after day after day after day. And let me tell you what that Bible says. Faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of God. All of a sudden... Not all of a sudden. It was actually a process. Because of the Word of God that I was ingesting and listening to, I developed a faith. Now, listen, that doesn't mean I've lived a perfect life because anybody that's known me 20 minutes will tell you that, that, that I am not. But here's what I do know. There's a, that, that the Word of God will lift your faith. The Word of God will change your life. The Word of God, if you'll be compassionate about Christ. So I want to leave you. Donna's going to come and play. I want to leave you with this passage. In, in light of what I told you about the deconstruction issue. And, and listen, I don't want you to go away from here thinking that I'm angry at deconstructionists. No, I'm praying for deconstructionists, and I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the, the church will wake up and we'll start answering some of those doubts and answering some of those questions. But here's what you and I have to do. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. With all these things in mind, everything we've talked about so far today, dear brothers and sisters, listen, stand firm. Here's your word. Keep a strong grip on the teaching we passed on to you both in person and by letter. I'm going to tell you that this book, I'm going to tell you that the living word, Jesus Christ, if you become passionate about your pursuit of Christ, Man, we say it so often. I don't want you to, I don't want you to, uh, I don't want you to discount it because we say it so frequently. If you put God first, it's, that theme is all through this, through this Bible. If you put God first, it'll change who you are. You'll be who He's called you to be. So bow your heads with me. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray to end our service today. Maybe you're in the room and you're as passionate for your pursuit of Christ as you've ever been in your life. Let's go a little deeper. Maybe you're in the room and you're on, kind of on the periphery. You'd say, Dwayne, I'm in, but I'm not all in. And I want you to go all in this way. pray for you. I'm going to ask the Lord to create in you a heart of passion for His presence. When you have a 
heart of passion for his presence. You'll have a heart of passion for his word and for his church and for your family and for the community. It just works like that. When you seek God first, all the other things fall into place. It just works. Pray with me. Head bowed and eyes closed. Father, we love you. Oh, we worship you so, oh God. And we're thankful for your amazing grace. Make us people of passion. God, we, we pray that as your word says, we surrender our worldly passions and we ask you to give us a heart of passion for your church, for your word, for our pursuit of you. God, I pray that this, before this church is known for anything else, God, I, I pray we're known as a passionate church passionate for our Savior, passionate for those that He loves, passionate for our community, passionate for what Christ has called us to do. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's leave this service today with a, a, a word of worship. God's going to lead us in that chorus. give the Lord praise. Amen. Amen. God bless. Have an awesome afternoon.